0: Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. So tonight we're going to talk about a story in the Bible that I absolutely love, and it's one of my favorite stories of expansion, and it's found in Mark 6. It's found in Mark 6 we're going to start in verse 30, but I'm just going to catch you up a little bit of where we find Jesus and his disciples in this chapter. So Jesus has decided to send his disciples out to do ministry two by two. So remember... That one of the reasons that he is here during this time of ministry is to teach, empower, equip, and model what he wants to see in these leaders that he is going to give the future of Christianity to. And so he, he has these leaders, he has these 12, and in another place he has 72, right? And he sends them out two by two. And he gives them all kinds of strict rules that they need to follow. You can have sandals, but you can't have an extra coat. You can ask for this, but you can't ask for that. He has the professional standards down. And they come back and they are so excited. They're excited because they've been able to teach people. And they're excited because they've been able to preach to people. And they're excited because people have had demons cast out of them. And other people have been healed. And they are so excited about this incredible time of ministry. And that's where we find them in verse 30. The apostles return to Jesus from their ministry tour. And told, them all, told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. That's really busy, right? They didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Can you imagine how excited they were when they got on the boat? They're like, man, we just got back from the ministry tour. We were, you know, we were on tour, and we did this ministry thing, and we did it just the way Jesus told us to, and it was amazing. And now Jesus is saying that we get to go on a ministry tour post-party retreat. Just us and Jesus. And it was his idea. He just wants to be with us. You know, we're just going to get to rest. We're going to get to eat. Man, Peter, you're going to get to cook some fish. It's going to be amazing. And that's the mentality they have right now. They left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. They had a plan. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Hmm. The first thing I want to say is that expansion will require a new plan. Expansion will require a new plan plan here Jesus and his disciples they have a plan we did the ministry tour now it is time for rest we did the busy Now it is time for us to be able to slow down. And let me say, I am for rest. I believe in rest. I believe in the rhythms of life. But the truth is, is that expansion will demand more of you than sometimes your plan planned to give. It becomes inconvenient to expand. It becomes uncomfortable to expand. I can remember when I had my first daughter, all I could think was, what have I been doing with my time? I don't understand because I'm doing all the exact same things. And yet this creature that they tell me is a baby human is taking up so much of my effort. When you expand, the plan changes, doesn't it? When you expand your family, the plan changes. When you expand your church, the plan changes. There's things that we used to be able to do when we were a church of 200 that we can't pull off now because as you expand, the plan has to change. You have to make room in your plan for expansion. I can remember one time, I, uh, it was 10, 10 o'clock at night. And I got a call, and, and I don't get a ton of these calls, so, so don't worry about me. But I got a call from a lady who I'd been counseling, and she was, she was distraught. She was in the middle of the, the crisis of her life. Her marriage was falling apart. And I don't mean like it was in a process that was going to take months. I mean, it was happening right that moment. And it was 10 o'clock at night, and I had two kids in the bed. And I was tired. And I can remember have feeling, I have a choice right now. Am I going to expand and let God use me in this inconvenient moment? Or am I not? And I want to expand. So I said, hey, I know it's 10 o'clock. Get your running shoes on and get over here. She sat in my living room and we talked for an hour and a half. And for some reason, that was the moment that things turned around. For some reason, that was the moment that God used to break through in her heart. And they're back together, and they love each other, and they're building a life on the foundation of Jesus. And God used my inconvenient moment to do a miracle of expansion in someone else's life expansion. It's inconvenient. It's going to require us to have a new plan. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, being in a group or leading a group is inconvenient at some point or another. You know, uh, Tuesday nights is when Clarissa has her group, and I know she loves her group, but there are some Tuesdays where she would like to have a different plan. She would like to have a pajama plan. She would like to have a slippers plan. She would like to have an early dinner plan. But because she is committed to expansion, she's committed to the cost of expansion, which is sometimes inconvenient, which is sometimes changing the plan. And so, yes, expansion requires us to be flexible, but it also requires us to change the plan in advance. None of us want to live average lives. We don't want to live average, but we cannot plan an average life and expect an extraordinary life. We cannot plan to give average effort and expect extraordinary results. We cannot. We have to plan for expansion. Expansion will require a new plan. If you're going to start a new business, expansion will require a new plan. If you're going to lean into the word of God, expansion will require a new plan. Believe me, it's not just going to happen. If you want to pray an hour of a day, I promise you, you will suddenly be the busiest person on the planet and expansion will require a new plan. You know what? If you want to live the abundant life in your finances and you want to see expansion in your finances, then it's going to require a new plan called a budget. That's just real. Sometimes God can be blessing us, but we don't have the plan to be able to sustain expansion. So here they are. They're completely hit. There's a new plan. Man, the disciples, can you imagine how they felt? But this was my Jesus time. But this was my, we were going to be alone. He talked about a quiet place where there were hush puppies and fish. And all these people, they messed it up. And they pull up on the shore. And this is what happens, verse 34. Jesus saw the huge crowd. Notice, it doesn't tell us what the disciples thought. We we can kind of automatically guess because we're all humans. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had expansion on them because he had... Compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Expansion requires a new perspective. So, expansion is going to require a new plan. I'm going to have to be more flexible than I wanted to be. I'm going to have to plan in more different ways than I expected. I'm going to have to plan inconvenience into my life. But it also is going to require a new perspective. And I want us to see what Jesus saw here, because Jesus didn't see the crowd as an inconvenience. Jesus didn't see the crowd even as an opportunity. Sometimes we don't see people as inconveniences, but somehow we see them as opportunities to show how expanded we are, <laughs> to show how... Re- Do you see what I'm saying? But that's not how Jesus saw them. Jesus saw the actual needs of the crowd, and he responded to those needs. He saw the needs of the crowd and he responded with compassion. How do we see the needs of the people in our life? You know a great way to find out how many friends you actually have is to need something. It's just true, isn't it? It's a great way. Because there's something off-putting about having somebody in your life who needs something, who needs you to actually show up, who needs you to actually fill in a gap, who needs you to bring a meal, who needs you to come sit with a crying baby for two hours so they can get a little bit of rest, who needs you to mow a lawn because they had surgery, who needs you to do grocery run, who needs you to show up. There's something off-putting about it on a personal level, but let's talk about it when it's not your friend. Sometimes we have a hard time replying with compassion when it is our friend. Can we just be real? I mean, we've all had these issues. It's not just you, believe me. There's like three people in here who are like, don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. It's everybody. It's hard. How do we see the people who are closest to us that have a need? But how do we see the people we don't know who have a need? Do we instantly think they deserve it? They didn't plan well enough? Do we blame them? Do, do we try to excuse ourselves? How do we see them? Okay, let's go even bigger. Not people we don't know. How about entire groups of people who are going through a trauma? How do we see them? How do we see their need? Do we see them with the perspective of Jesus? Do we see something on the news and we have compassion for that person instead of instantly thinking of all of the reasons that they shouldn't be in that situation in the first place? Do we have compassion the way that Jesus had compassion? See, expansion will require us to have a new perspective, a Jesus perspective perspective where we have compassion but it's more than this. Jesus could have said so many things when he saw that crowd. Think about it. He could have said, "Man, they're impoverished. Man, they're they're oppressed. Man, they're burdened down with religion. Man, they're dealing with all these issues." Look at what he says. He says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he saw the real need of the crowd, that what the crowd needed more than anything else was leadership. That the crowd was just looking for hope, was just looking for leadership, was just looking for someone to point them in the right direction. And sometimes we can have compassion, but we miss the Jesus perspective that goes beyond the surface need into the heart, that goes beyond just the issue that's on the top of our system, into the way that the system is crafted, that goes beyond. See, Jesus can teach us to see to the heart of the issues of the people around us, of the crowds around us. Because when you look with compassion, you're a lot more likely to see reality than when you look for judging with judging eyes. See, judgment simplifies. Compassion personalizes. Judgment simplifies but compassion personalizes everything. And so he says, he said, you know what? They need leadership. They need leadership. How can God change my perspective? You know, we have an amazing book on the book card. It's called Recovering from Racism. And it's it's absolutely probably one of the best books that I've read um, this year. And it's about a lot of amazing things. But But one of the things it's about is this ministry in Memphis that came to the conclusion that they did not need to take outside solutions into underserved neighborhoods, but instead they needed to figure out how they could support those who were already doing amazing things in underserved neighborhoods and how they could just systematize and add and be a support for the people who were already doing so much. To me, that's a Jesus perspective because I don't just see a problem. I see people I see hearts, and I see what is really needed, not just what will make me feel better. You know, sometimes the young mom in our life is in need of encouragement more than unsolicited advice. we just be real? Sometimes the people in our workplace just need somebody to go, man, I've got you. It's going to be all right. Instead of pointing out everything that they're doing wrong, sometimes people are looking for you to be a servant leader and to step up and to bring structure where there isn't structure and give ideas and give life so that the vision of somebody else who can see it but doesn't know how to get there can come to life. May we be people who as God expands us, God will give us his perspective, not just to see those around us with compassion, but also to see what they really need and how we can bring that to them. So we go to verse 35. So Jesus is teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples, you know, the ones who were supposed to get special alone time with Jesus, you know, secret handshakes and the whole thing. Late in the afternoon, that means it's been a while since they've been disappointed. Anybody ever find that disappointment just gets easier over time? Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, "This is a remote place." I love when they tell him obvious things. It's like my favorite. "This is a remote place." and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Can you imagine like the powwow that happened before this conversation? Like, John, look, you know you're his favorite, so look, why don't you tell Jesus that it's late? And and Peter's like, but I want the crowds gone, man. We were supposed to have quiet time, and it was going to be great, and we were going to sing on the beach. And, you know, they're just like, okay, be quiet, Peter. You never make anything better. John, seriously, though, can you talk to Jesus? Can we get rid of the crowds? They're like, well, we're not going to get rid of the crowds by saying we want to get rid of the crowds. I bet they're hungry. Well, I'm hungry. He promised us food, and we haven't even eaten yet. This is a great idea. Jesus looks at the people with compassion, so we'll use the people's needs as a way to get rid of the people. This is great. So let's do this. Okay, so disciples come to him. This is a remote place. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Score, right? And Jesus turns around, and what does he tell them? He says, you feed them. And all the disciples are like, man, I knew this was going to happen. He always has an answer to my excuses. He's not going to send away the people. Now it's even gotten harder. Not only are we not getting rid of the crowd, we just got made chefs. Man, John, you mess everything up. He says, you feed them. And I love what the disciples say. With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. He doesn't even argue with them. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. In other words, you don't even know what you have. They came back and reported We have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Oh my goodness. Isn't that a picture of expansion? It's, an, it's absolutely unbelievable, but this is what I get out of that. Is it expansion requires a new process if I want to see expansion happen in my life in my business in my home in my church in the kingdom of God then I'm gonna have to adopt a new process the old process was to look at the limitation and leave it up to someone else to fix the problem the old process was to look at the gap and name all the reasons why I can't be a part of the solution the old process was to ridicule anyone brave enough to offer what they have because it's obviously not enough. But we aren't people of an old process. We're people of a new process. And Jesus's process looked so different. And this is his process. You might want to write this down. First, he saw the problem. He saw The problem they came to him and said hey look the people are hungry you should send them away and he saw the problem but then he decided to be the solution that's step two he decided to be the solution well destiny you can't be the solution for everything I know but I have met very few people who are being solutions in their life who ever say that I'm just telling you the truth not because they're doing 50 different things, but because they understand that the process of saying, what if I was the solution is so incredibly important. There's a process to this. So if I say, hey, you know what? There's a problem. We have kids who are at schools who are going to play sports and they're hungry. And they're not getting a pregame meal like airline and like some of these big schools that have PTSOs who are taking care of them and making sure that they're taken care of. You know, this is a problem. We've got hungry kids. I think we can all agree that that would be a problem. But then there was someone in our community who said, "I I think I need to be the solution. I can come up with 48 different reasons why they didn't need to be the solution. One being the people who were doing it don't have kids at all, but especially not in the school system. So wouldn't that just be a good sign that maybe this isn't your gap? It's someone else's. I'm just going to pray that someone else will come along. Let's not be found with folded hands. Let's be found with hands on the plow, doing something trying something because maybe your poor attempt is supposed to open the door for someone else to do it in a big way. I'm so grateful for the lady who tried to collect uniforms in North Bossier. I am so thankful for her. I'm so thankful that she did her absolute dead level best to make it happen because if she hadn't and she had not shown us the gap and she had not shown us an opportunity then today we couldn't stand here and say over the last six years, we've given around 6,000 uniforms to kids in need. That door didn't open because we suddenly had an angel come in and show us the way. It was because somebody understood a Jesus process and they saw a need and said, you know what? I'll be the solution. I'll go first. And if I fail, then maybe I'll open the door for somebody else. He saw the problem, he decided to be the solution. He took inventory of what he had available. So many times we skip this step. We don't even look to see what we have available. One of the people on our team, the thing she likes to say more than anything else is everything we need is in the house. Everything we need is in the house. What if we had that mentality? Everything we need to affect Bozier City is in this house everything that we need is people we know we're three steps away from getting what we need to be able to plug the hole stand in the gap take care of the people who need to be taken care of what if jesus says hey go do an inventory see what you have on your hands before you say no just see what you can do So many times, if we'll just do that, we'll find out that we had the ability all along. He took inventory of what he had available. And then I love this one. He created structure to steward the miracle. So he took inventory, and I'm pretty sure that the disciples didn't look far because they came back, with a little boy who they had basically drug up there and was like, hey, look, we found him. He was snacking already. There were five, you know, loaves and two fish. This is what we've got, right? But then Jesus goes a step further, and he creates structure. He says, have them sit down in groups of 50. Have them sit down in groups of 100. Divide them out into sections so this is manageable because I'm about to do a miracle. And without structure, then miracles get way too messy. And I want to make sure that you have the proper structure so that when I bring the blessing, when I bring the miracle, when I bring the growth, it can be sustained. It can all work out. We have to be people of a Jesus process. Sometimes we want to jump into the process and see if people are going to show up before we create the process, the the structure for them to be able to get involved with. Here here in in our staff, something we say all the time is is we create structure to invite people in. That's why we have groups. We have more groups than probably we need. Why? Because I always want to have more groups than we need. (laughs) Because when you open up more groups, Then you create more of a place for people to find that connection, to find that person that they love and that they really can get mentored by. When you open up more, when you create structure, when you get involved on a team, you can do more together than you could do apart. And we understand that, right? I mean, we would think it was crazy if football players were out there and they were just like, you know, I don't feel like I need to do this play. I just need to run. I'm feeling running right now. That's going to be effective. I just, I feel, I feel running. Can we be real? Do we sometimes do that? Sometimes we don't join A team and run together, understanding that together we are better, that together we can do more, that together we can really make a dent in this thing, and we just go, ah, I feel today I'm going rogue. It's not a control thing. It's a team thing. It's a get involved in some structure, to build some structure around your dreams. How about come and join a team learn how to be a captain, learn how to be a coach, learn how to be a director, so that when God does open the door for you to lead your thing, you have the experience and the tools necessary to make it blow up into what God always intended for it to be, right? That's what Jesus did here. He he created structure. I love it. I think it's so beautiful. And then he prayed for God to fill in the gaps. <laughs> Can you imagine? He has the five loaves and the two fish. Everybody's sitting expectantly in their groups of fifty or a hundred. Everybody's organized. The structures all there. And Jesus starts to pray. And he invites God into the midst of their gap. And he says, we've done all we can do. God, we saw the issue and we, yep, we volunteered. We set us and we, we did an inventory and we sectioned it all off and we created great structure. But now you're going to have to do what only you can do. You're going to have to fill in the gaps. You're going to have to take care of what we can't take care of ourselves. And scholars call this a double miracle." okay? The first miracle is Jesus took a little and made it go a long way, right? But hear me, and this doesn't, this doesn't um, take away from the first miracle. This is what scholars tell us, is the second miracle is that people more than likely shared what they had. Because more than likely, the little boy who had the lunch was not the only responsible person in the crowd. More than likely, there were other people in that crowd of 5,000 who had a little packet of food that they had tucked very nicely into their robe and weren't talking about. More than likely, there was some mama who had made sure that there was a nice apron of stuff for her kids, but she wasn't going to open it up while all these other people were around. And Jesus does a double miracle. And this is the thing, is I love that Jesus is always doing double miracles. Not only does he do the supernatural and provide what we need, but he also motivates us to be generous with what we already have so that when our natural and his supernatural collide, there is more than enough and there is expansion. And that's the Jesus process. I don't want the old process. I want the Jesus process. I want to be excited about seeing the gaps in our community and leaning in until I find somebody who's already doing it well. And I can just jump right into their structure and jump right behind them and walk with them in what God's called them to do. I love the Jesus process because it leads to miracles. And I don't know if you've looked around lately, but our city and our state need a miracle. Needs a miracle. Uh, Philip Bussey, you can come play and make this next part sound really good. But um, Johannes Amritzer, who's an amazing preacher who actually is going to be coming in November and He's, he's amazing. Yes, I know those of you who know him are very excited. I just announced that. I just realized that. Don't tell Philip. Okay. But he's coming in November. He's going to want to announce it. Act surprised. And um, he's coming in November. And uh, last fall, we took him on a tour of our state. And uh, he called us about halfway through the tier, tour. And he said, um, You know, Philip and Destiny, I am just so enjoying this this trip. And I'm like, well, of course, it's Louisiana. It's great food. We don't have good roads or good government or good schools, but we have great food, and we sent you down to South Louisiana, so you should be enjoying it. Tell me more. But anyway, he said, "Um, I'm falling in love with your broken state. Can I just tell you that kind of rubbed me wrong a little bit? dare he tell me that my state's broken we're fine we're Cajuns, we're fine, we're always fine our state's broken it's very 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 broken it's it's more broken more broken than almost anywhere in our entire country do you know what normal in Louisiana is? do do you want to know? Statistically. Statistically, normal is sick. Unhealthy. We we have some of the highest instances of every kind of sickness you can put on the map. Normal here is sick. Normal here is ignorant. Our education is 50 out of 51. Our literacy rate is so low that there are some third world countries that are jumping us. We educate our wealthy children worse than most states educate their poor children. St- this is statistics. That, that's normal, normal is sick, normal is ignorant and normal is poor. We have so many people living below the poverty line that honestly, I don't feel like we even talk about it anymore. It's just the norm. And people quote scriptures out of context like you will always have the poor with you as though that makes it okay for our neighbor not to be able to feed their child. Have we lost our minds? Can we be like this, Jesus? The Jesus who came from heaven to earth, spent 30 years just, just being with people, spent three years seeing them, loving them, teaching them, giving them what they needed, healing them, taking care of all of their issues, and yes, feeding and then died for each one of us. You know, we can buy into the lies that the enemy tells us. We can buy into the lie that we have to earn it. We can buy into all these, but sometimes we can also buy into the lie that we deserve to see our potential through all the way to the end. And that our life is too valuable to be sacrificed for our neighbor. Okay, being real, it's one I've struggled with. But God, why'd you make me this way if you don't want me to use da, da 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 Maybe I want you to lay down your life for your neighbor like I laid down my life for all of you. And that's why I love the way that this story ends. Oh, man, I love the way this story ends. Because you know what Jesus does? As soon as they fed everybody, Jesus puts his disciples in the boat and he sends them across the lake. And Jesus tells everybody, bye. That's what the Bible says. He says, after he tells everybody, bye. He goes away to pray. Because expansion requires a new prayer. See, expansion doesn't just require a new plan. It doesn't just require a new perspective. It doesn't just require a new process. Expansion requires us to have a new prayer. A new prayer. A prayer that says, after everybody's gone, God, I don't, I need you. If Jesus needed communion with Father God while he was on earth and we believe that he was God and man, how much more do we need communion with him if we're going to walk out his plan? See, sometimes we all get hung up at different places. Sometimes we get hung up on just being inconvenienced, just having our plan messed up. Sometimes we can get messed up with the perspective. We're just judgmental. You know, I have that compassion side. It's not an option. Sometimes we can get messed up on the process. I just like to wing it. I don't need structure in my life. I don't know. Expansion kind of requires it. Sometimes we can do all that and we can forget that at the end of the day, it has to all come back to a prayer. It has to all come back to leaning in to him. It has to all come back. You know, this is what's interesting is that the disciples just wanted a hot meal. That's basically what it says, right? It says they would have been too busy to eat. They went, go away, quiet place, too busy to eat. I just want to eat. They got to eat. God met their need, but he met their need in the process of using them to meet the needs of so many others. I don't know what you're believing for today. I don't know what need you have in your heart. Maybe it's for fulfillment. Maybe it's for hope. Maybe it's for purpose. Whatever that need is, can I just suggest that maybe god wants to meet that need in the process of using you to meet the needs of others. Can we stand? We're just going to pray together. God, we we love you. We want to expand. God, we want to become everything that you've called us to be. That's why we're here. We're not here because it's socially acceptable or even cuz our friends are here. We're not even here for the barbecue sandwiches out front. We're here because we want to expand and we want to be more like you and we want to see your purpose happen on the earth. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we just happen to believe that your kingdom has health and that your kingdom has wisdom and that your kingdom doesn't have complete poverty. We believe that. We believe that there's more than enough in your kingdom and we want your kingdom to come to earth. And God, we want to be part of it. So God, expand us. Whatever area of expansion that you want to deal with us, maybe it's our prayer life. Maybe we're willing to do all the things, but we don't take the time to get alone with you and to get recharged and to thank you for what you've done and to get more of your perspective and to get more of your strength. Maybe it's that. Maybe it starts at the beginning. Because we, we don't even have a plan for expansion. We aren't writing it into our daytimer. We've settled into average. God, let us be people who let you change us so you can stretch us and expand us to be all you've called us to be. God, I thank you for the people in this room. I thank you for the champions in this room who really believe that they can make a difference. God, for those who walked in, and honestly, they're just hanging on by a thread, I pray that they would be encouraged to know, encouraged to know that there's more, that there's more than just survival, that you have called us to thrive and to live on purpose every day. God, encourage our hearts. Allow us to lean into you. And God, we pray for our our broken city in our broken state. Use us your hands and your feet to make a difference here. Let the next generation not inherit the same situation that we have. Let us make a difference. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Park.